Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out the last and greatest mysteries of the Fringe Path and so much more. Also, why does anybody go to Florida? This week, <laughs> this week we are gonna, we're going to start off by talking to Jonathan, who was out the last, well, four couple of sessions, yeah, about a uh, month. Basically, uh, the last month of recording because he was off with his youngins uh, going to DeSantaville and he's gonna, uh, <laughs> because he wanted to go to the happiest place on earth. So he's going to tell us how that went. Well, first I'm going to start off. I wasn't in Disney World for the entire month. <laughs> the, 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 set, the recording session we had before that was I had a work business meeting that I could not miss, so I had to do that. Okay. But the second one, yes, I was in I was in Disney World for a week, and we had to pick that week because that was the only week I could. It was during Memorial Day week, so you know I had a free day off, so I didn't have to take oh, okay. days off. So yeah, but yeah, we uh, about uh, fall of last year, we me and my wife we started planning and you know making reservations to go to Disney World for a week and or about a week and a day, and we. You know, I have three kids all under the age of 12, but all over the age of five. So they were, you know, just a perfect age to actually go and and enjoy it and make happy memories as opposed to, you know, being the angsty teenagers getting dragged around by mom and pop. Yep. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun. We we, we went to every park twice except for Animal Kingdom because you don't need to go to Animal Kingdom for more than one day. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. We got to visit some things, and I got reminded of yeah, okay, so like because we've talked about it before. It's like I, I, there were definitely moments as I was walking around that park when I went. Now, how would how would a super high tech futuristic godlike society do their theme parks? Hmm. And how? What, and your conclusions? Um, a lot of what we talked about in that uh, episode about uh, Tremelin theme park worlds. <laughs> okay. But uh, so so I, I you had, were you were reminiscing then? It was, but I was actually quite impressed because um, I mean I haven't been to Disney World in like twenty years. Um, I haven't been to a Six Flags in almost mm, ten. So I haven't been to a theme park in a long time, and so going into Disney World after twenty years, number one, I was upset to see Mr. Toad's Wild Ride had been replaced by a Winnie the Pooh ride. That hurt me. <laughs> But other than that, uh, the pre-show on some of these rides is pretty darn impressive. Um, like I went on the, we went on Guardians of the Galaxy, ah uh, uh, yeah, Cosmic Rewind and Epcot, and I was impressed by the little pre-show presentation they did because yeah, that you know, there's points where walls disappear. 
Oh, geez. Well, it was, you know, it's the latest and greatest, so therefore you got the, you know, the literally state of art. You know, a lot of the mm -hmm. stuff in Disney World hasn't really been changed for 20, 30 years. But, yeah, this one was pretty good. And, you know, I mean, it's, they, I, I realize that they have mastered the art of misdirection and, like, again, a, a wall disappeared. <laughs> A physical wall that I was touching. Oh, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't touching it at the time, but I mean, I could have touched it, and I had no, seen they, people. They call the people that work there and do all the tech. I think they call them Imagineers. The Imagineers, yeah, are the Imagineers. Imagineers, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, it was impressive stuff, and and other rides. I, I've seen updates to other rides, like uh, Haunted Mansion. I had obviously gotten some updates from the twenty years since the last time I rode it. Um, which was impressive. It was just a, a really good time. I didn't get to go see the Galactic Star Cruiser, which is like their two-day hotel slash LARP I, I think slash they escape did room shut experience. That down, Jonathan, it's shutting down in September. Okay, I thought it was already gone. Okay. Uh, now they they already announced the shutdown, but they hadn't done it yet. That is that is coming. Uh, like I said, in September is what I heard. Um, but. It is one thing I, I wish I could have seen before, because there was no way we could afford it with this trip, and I doubt I could afford to go back before they close in September, but yeah, that was definitely one thing I wanted to see. But there were other rides. Uh, the Rise of the Resistance uh, ride, it borderlined uh, LARP at times. Mm, okay. um, like, you know, because you know, the ride operators, they act like first order soldiers and officers oh. and they they get you to stand in line there's a little bit of like larping there going on you know you're you're prisoners being captured and you're putting into you're put into a cell and then the ride starts it, it was I'm, I'm impressed i i i'm curious to see where this goes especially with the idea that you know you had the galactic star cruiser and and again that the whole pretty much two-day larp experience i'm i'm thinking disney is catching on to the we need to do more acting in, you know audience participation with our ride cues basically because this was all just half waiting in line to get on the ride well yeah yeah that's you know that's always the the part you know and since they stopped doing their fast pass um uh, they they still have lightning lanes which you pay for now. You don't get them free. Well, uh, then and we definitely made you. They stopped that. having the fast pass then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I mean, have, it's, I mean it's like every other theme park it. where it basically lets you go to the front of the line instead of you saying, okay, you know, there's a, a, a period of time that you can run to the head of the line, but not, you know, I mean, to me, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the lightning lane means you can go to the head of every line, right? You know, no, you pay for every lightning lane. Well, you either pay for Genie Plus, and then you get um, one lightning lane every two hours. But it, you know, you can have up to two saved at a time, ah. which we definitely made use of. We 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 took advantage of that in order to to get on one ride and then you know get on uh, schedule the next one to be right after that, and then as soon as the first one was done, we we could go ahead and schedule another one so 
it, it, the way it works out is you, by the end of the day, you can just be chaining these lightning lanes back to back. So back how much back does this cost? I mean, it the depends. lightning lane part. I mean, the the Disney Genie Plus. It actually depends. There's surge pricing involved with it. So, if you're there on a busy day and there's a lot of people in the park making use of it, it can go up really high. Uh, I think twenty five or thirty. I maybe is the highest I've heard. Thirty dollars per person. Per person. Per day. Ow. We. I think we hovered. I think around the fifteen to twenty dollar mark. We didn't yeah, get that's it every $75 day. Five dollars a pop if it's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. I'm going to be paying off this trip for the next year. Yeah, he's got three kids and the two of them. That's five. That should be like you know. Yeah. That's like a hundred hundred bucks a day extra. And and that's not counting some rides um, like uh, Rise of the Resistance or the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride aren't part of the Genie Plus Lightning Lane system. So if you want to get a Lightning Lane on those, you have to pay an additional like. Ten to fifteen dollars per person. So, uh, I think tr the new Tron light cycle ride was the same, and and that was there the first day. We we just said, okay, let's just go ahead and pay the hundred and some odd dollars so we can all get on that and not have to you know fight for it the rest of the trip and get was it, it out of the way. Mm, that's where it's iffy. If this wasn't uh, my first trip in 20 years, the first trip for the kids. No, I wouldn't say it was worth it. Uh, but seeing as how this was, you know, again, my first trip in two decades, kids first trip. And we aren't sure when we can afford another trip like this in the future. Or, you know, if we go again, it might just be for like a day or two as opposed for a week. Yeah, I'd say it, it's worth it in this very specific instance. It's the whole thing. You're you're going there for the. I mean, yeah, yeah. Twenty years for you. You're going there for your three kids. Yeah, it's memories that will last a lifetime, and that's what Disney. That's their thing. You get the yeah. wide-eyed nine-year-old kid just looking, and there's Mickey Mouse right there in a the face. Oh my God, it's Mickey. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's worth it in the okay. end. In, the in youngest, the youngest loved meeting all the princesses. <laughs> oh, okay. We spent yeah. so much in time in line to meet princesses just just for we, her. The, we the we stayed a very long time to meet uh, uh, to get to see Mickey because he, my son wanted to give Mickey a hug. Mm. We really waited on that one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, there was one thing we 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 learned is we we kind of got an advantage on that one because uh, there's we we ate at character dining restaurants like four or five days of the trip. So, yeah, we just we made sure that we we got to meet Winnie the Pooh and friends, Mickey and friends, uh, numerous times just by going to a restaurant to eat. So did did you uh, uh, do the Mickey's bar, uh, backyard barbecue? No, that's too bad. Uh, that's my we, favorite. We did the Garden Grill in Epcot. Was the one I had the most high hopes for because it's the rotating restaurant in Epcot, but nobody wanted to eat anything there. I don't because there's a lot well, of. I don't know eating and spinning. Yeah, kids, <laughs> it's very slow. It's almost imperceptible. Yeah, we at at the top of the Renaissance Center in the Detroit, then downtown Detroit. I don't know if they have it now because it's GM World headquarters. But back in the day, thirteen, my parents took me up there. I'd never been to the Renaissance Center, and I I looked at my dad and said. Wow, eating and spinning. Who planned this? And he's just, you know, my dad's like, boy. 
I know it was slow spinning. You got to see, you know, the Windsor skyline and all that, but just. You're going to use your airline bag and be grateful. Yeah. 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 See, I'm really privileged because I had two relatives who worked at Disney. So basically, Eric's entire childhood, free Disney. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Really? Wow. I mean, every time we went down there, we're like, we've got to take you out to dinner. Okay. And they're like, okay. So after we like spend four days, you know, using, you know, free passes, the hopper, the whole thing like that, you know, uh, and, and them taking us to all the secret locations because they're staff, you know, then, Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then they says, okay, we're going to have dinner. All right. And we, and we get the dinner and whatever like that. And we says, okay. And they says, oh, well here, use my badge because you'll get a 20% employee discount. <laughs> It's like, okay, so the most even going to the expensive places in Disney for dinner, we still got you know twenty percent off. So we were like, yeah, you know, it was yeah. You know, so I that's that's my little piece of you know uh, you know privilege that uh, ne- I'm very glad I had. There. Yeah, you never know. been down there. The closest I ever was was Savannah, Georgia, while my dad after his stint in the army during the Vietnam conflict. There's an army base there and. That part of Georgia, so that's a that's about as close as I've ever been to Disney, and I don't know if I'm ever going to go. So I am envious of those who go. And just Jonathan, I'm glad that you and your family had a fantastic time there. Your children oh, yeah. were for the rest of their lives. Oh yeah, the my only real uh, regret was that we paid for the park hopper passes, which we did not use. Oh, oh you spent the entire never... time in the Magic Kingdom. Well, every day we spent in one park because it, and, and we kind of needed to because even using the lightning lanes and all that stuff, it took us honestly two days to go through all of Magic Kingdom, two days to go through all of Epcot. Well, I'd say day and a half to go through all of Epcot, uh, two days to go through Hollywood Studios. Um, I mean, we did not need the park hopper passes because we were trying to do everything. Or at least yeah. every, everything we knew we wanted to do. Yeah. Well, park hopper passes are what you need whenever you're trying to do, like, you got, you're there for three days and you got five parks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, we had that. And then we we stayed in one of the resorts, um, one of the deluxe resorts that had a, a you know nice big swimming pool. And the kids wanted to swim. Uh, Old Key West. Oh, I, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's one it's I've seen. The, it's one of the kind of the lesser known out of the, out of the way ones. Yeah, um, but I mean, it is Disney. Disney oh yeah, uh, I, we, we were we were at the um, gosh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Is basically it's it's the baseball one, the sports the sports one. Oh yeah, uh, all star sports. All star, yeah, all star sports one. Which and that's uh, that's where we stayed the last time we were there, and uh, it was uh, it was okay. It was very nice. Yeah. It, it it didn't have the the dripping luxury that when I when I went to the Dolphin Hotel, and of course we, <laughs> you know that that was being paid for by the company, by the way. So that's you know I was like, at the end of it, I'm like, uh, oh, uh, uh, how much would it cost me to stay another day? Because you know Beth was coming, uh, my uh, uh, down to visit me, and and they were like, you know, oh, two hundred dollars. This was like back in like. In 1990, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. yeah. So we we uh, we 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 discovered Motel Six. So 
and that's the thing. If if we do it again, we'll probably stay at an off site. Yeah. Hotel. Well, I'm and glad it, you you had that experience, and you didn't have any issues with uh, uh, DeSantaville, did you? No. In fact, the time we ran, we were there, ran right as Pride Month started, so we got to see like the first couple days of Pride Month at Disney World, and they had no qualms doing it. No, they're, they're very DeSantis. clear about that. They are very supportive. They, that's one of the reasons yeah. the Santos was mad at them. Yeah. yeah. They they were not backing down, at least not as far as what events they were hosting. They were like, mm, go ahead, DeSantis, bring it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're a billion-dollar company. Yeah. <laughs> we we can out-donate you any day of the week. Are you really yeah. worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for that that info. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going to uh, uh, recommend to our, our our listeners that if you have to go down to Disney, I have to. But I mean, if you're going to go down to Disney and you got youngins, and they um, and you can pick any time of the year to do it, uh, I and you can only be there like one day. I would still highly recommend that you go down for uh, uh, Halloween. And you go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, because yes, it is a, a hard ticket price, okay. But you're gonna have to, you were gonna pay for a ticket anyways, right? And this allows you to basically go down in the evening when it's cooler. Uh, everybody, all the kids are gonna be in costume. All of the, uh, the the characters are going to be in costumes, usually very different than the costumes you normally see them in. They have yeah. all kinds of you know uh, lighting effects, things like that. They're handing out candy by the bushel. Um, the you know since it is a hard ticket price on top of the regular day passes, uh, a, a lot of people won't you know they won't do that. So the the you you know, the rides are except for a few rides. Uh, the rides are far, far less congested. Uh, oh, yeah. You can just you can just walk up and do the um, uh, the haunted mansion at Halloween, okay? And you might have maybe a 15, 20 minute wait, okay? I mean, you know, lots of other stuff though, you know, going on. Splash Mountain was still going like like crazy. We we literally just you know, did like. Um, uh, Oh, uh, Space Mountain, like four times in a row. Just literally, we're running through the lanes that you normally have to go back and forth. Just running up to the front, <laughs> hopping into the thing, going again. You know, we we, we did it till we were sick of it. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying, is is it, it? It's a. I, I don't know what the price is now, but I'm just saying, is is it? It's since it's only for half a day. Uh, it's actually a pretty good price, and. Uh, it's it's one of those little secrets I, you know that I highly 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 recommend. Since I'm not going there anymore, you're not I, 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 you're not competing with me. Yeah, <laughs> my son is is now uh, <laughs> he has a, uh, you know he he's a little too old for it. Uh, he's more interested in going to some places like you know Universal Studios and such. You know or uh, so I'm just saying is that that's my secret vacation go to. Uh, that I highly recommend to anybody who's planning on going to Disney and doesn't have much time to do it. So you can like drive down. Uh, if you're like where I am in Atlanta, we can literally drive down in the morning, okay, and get to our hotel, put him in his costume, go out that night, okay, 
do it and then you know come home and you know rest up the next day and either just do some more sightseeing in Orlando you know, like like you know some of the other many many other places there are to go or just turn around and come back but I'm just saying is that it's it's it can be done like that and it's it was a really really fun time uh, so that's that's my my, my little secret uh, Disney secret so okay um, all right, so uh, we, that's that's uh, our, our our little interview with Jonathan. So now we're going to move on to uh, secrets of the fringe paths, and I'm not sure whether we've mentioned this before, uh, but we thought we would mention it again because it's not canon, though you know Richard kind of gave it his he he gave it his blessing to me verbally, but it was never written published in any way. Uh, it was it was in the Bible, originally Bible for D twenty, but we never actually published it in that edition because, you know, it's it's a big secret. Okay, so let me preface it a little bit, which is is that um, originally, uh, uh, before the 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 uh, D twenty edition, uh, the fringe pass in the fringe really game which linked all the all the big platforms with portals on them together were eight feet wide. And there were these great pictures of people, you know, cars being on them and people trying to change tires and the, and, the, and the tires literally bouncing off the road and going off into who knows where. Okay, so, you know, and we always said things like, wow, this is like really, you know, if somebody wanted to like, you know, uh, keep people from traveling, you know, from node to node and such, it would be really easy. They just have to put a barrier up, you know, so that, you know, even on the fringe path itself, you could build one around it and, you know, and just, you know, and, and put an arm, you know, some kind of an emplacement or something like that. So they could, people couldn't actually travel along the fringe paths. And um, it wouldn't be that hard to do. You know, obviously there's some, you know, it depends on how hard people are trying to get by. You know, and uh, we did, and we did talk about some of the secrets of the fringe paths. Uh, is and we may mention that too in this. Uh, so and and or you could back it up to the to the platforms, and you know, and if they come through, you just basically either fire on them or hold them in place or build a giant uh, igloo around the portal, and so nobody gets out if you don't want them to. You know that that was always possible, and we were like, you know, how do the fringe pirates? Get around. How, it should be really easy to stop them. Once you get enough people on the fringe pass to, you know, uh, enough of a press, when there's like only like eight or 12 people or, you know, uh, maybe uh, three or four teams of six, no, there's no way you can hold anything. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. But later on, when you get like maybe a couple hundred fringe-worthy people on the platforms, you should be able to control this space, you know. And I said, so how do we keep them relevant how do we keep them you know uh, still a danger and not just them but other people too because as we as we talked about you know on the french pass you've got the the french gypsies people who like literally travel up and down with wagons and such you know uh, we have the old men that are traveling around that are the neanderthals we've got the uh, the brupians who are walking around. We've got people who are, uh, we, we call just fringe walkers, people that are just wandering the fringe paths because they they want to, 
All right, and some of them are people who are from IDET who basically turned their back on IDET and uh, and just decided to go walkabout, as John Ryer used to put it. Um, and those guys have explosives, and <laughs> some of these things we're talking about about keeping people from you know holding things in, you know, uh, you know, explosives can do can clear that the way sometimes. So, and if you had one of those fringe uh, tanks. That the uh, uh, that the, we we always had them like basically like you know motorized vehicles uh, for the French pirates and a twenty millimeter cannon on them. Uh, Richard's description of them were a little bit more haphazard. You know they were more like just every kind of weird weapon that they could find, and they just kind of welded it onto their 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 uh, you know their vehicle, their their uh, diesel powered vehicle. And I said, well, yeah, but I mean, come on, you know, it's if you're going to be a pirate, you need cannons, and the 20 millimeter is a pretty darn good cannon, you know, on a mobile frame. So I always advocated that. So the point is that how do you, you know, how do they get around, and how do you like, you know, not just round up all the ones around once you get people actually on the fringe paths with rocket launchers and and other types of things to go after them, because uh, nowhere in anything that Richard wrote. Did that happen? All right. And what used, what happened was is that finally they got beat back. You know, a certain distance. They just stayed away because it was too much trouble going after the area that IDEC controlled. So the question said, well, does that mean that they're that much further to the negative or that much further to the positive? Where are they? You know, where are they? you know, and and when they get chased by the French pass, a lot of times they just seem to disappear. How do they do that? You know, so. Uh, well, I mean, the real big cop out is just, well, you know, all the places that are locked down, they can just go in those and relock them down. Uh, they have, you know, a pylon on each side and they hide. And yeah, yeah, you could hand wave that and say it, but. There there's other things that we have found out. Yes. Right. So. What I did was I was I was talking to Richard and I said, Richard, you know, what if there was another fringe path? Okay, and and not just one. Maybe there were four fringe paths. They're just you know because it's the same helix shape as the existing one, except that like ones you know ahead, ones you know ones on you know uh, basically on each side, you know forward, back, up, and down. And you know, and, he, and they were connected to their own set of of, of uh, platforms and their own portals. Okay, so that you know, they if they didn't like you, you know, what they could do then is is that if they could get find some way of getting to them, they could literally like you put this blockade on the fringe path, and they just go on the previous one. They just oh, okay, we're going to go up to the up you know, uh, uh, platform, we're going to go down the roadway and then we're going to drop down, let's say onto the star platform and, or, 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 you know, and then ride in there in a direction you weren't expecting because nobody expects anybody to attack from the system platform or the star platforms because nobody ever does. But I was like saying, why can't they do that? That would like really throw everybody off where they went up and hit in the star platforms. Is that where they're from? You know, that kind of question. And so, and, and Richard thought this was a really good idea. 
you know, it, like I said, he never made a can and all, but the idea was is that there were these two, there were four 50 foot portals, okay, that would rise up in the center of the 600 foot wide platform. And they each had, you know, and they didn't have any pylons, okay, they just had ramps, and they all, the ramps all pointed in the center, okay, so that, and, you know, when you did it, it would just basically, you'd come out the other side, the other direction, you know, basically you went the same direction you're going in, you're coming out. And, uh, you know, and then, and the way you activated it was, there was, uh, it, it took like, you know, a, we never talked about it, like an engineering crystal, you know, or a rainbow crystal or something like that. Uh, and there was a, a hidden indentation, just like on a pylon, okay? There was a hidden indentation, okay, uh, on the platform that you could only find if A, you knew what you were looking for, and B, you made, you know, uh, or you made, uh, as Travis put it, like a DC-30 uh, spot check, Oh, no, no. I remember corresponding with you on this via email many an age ago, and you put it up to like 60. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah ridiculously high. If yeah, you didn't you, know it was there. Yeah. If you knew it was there, it was considerably less. Yeah. Right. Because we wanted it to be something that would be really, really hard to find. You know, even taking 20 was going to, you know, is still going to take a roll. You know, uh, so. Uh, Anyways, you know, uh, you know, just take twenty and add it to your thing. You'd you'd have to be a high level character before you could do it because we didn't want you to find them. We wanted you to find them later in the, in the campaign, where suddenly you know you'd already explored all the areas around you know Earth Prime and those platforms, and suddenly you find that there's four times as many platforms and 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 portals and stuff like that. So again, you can instead of having to travel hundreds of platforms out. At this point, to to have ex, a, an open portal that you hadn't explored yet, you have now four more, and they're right there next to Earth Prime. So that was the idea behind it, and uh, like I said, it it it, it had Richard's blessing, uh, but it was verbal. It wasn't you know, and we did add it to the um, uh, to the what was called the Fringeworthy Bible, which was all the stuff that we said when we went to the design, it was all approved by Richard, that this was true. You know, we might not talk about it in the fringe, in the book itself, because they might be secrets that we want to still keep going, but they were still true, and we would act, when we did things, we would do it with that in mind. So, and then we came out with the D20 edition, um, and we never did anything with it after that. Be, you know, it's just, there were, there were reasons, but, uh, that's that's what happened. So, uh, but it's there. I mean, it's it's a possibility for you guys if you want to use. Now, of course, when we did the D twenty edition, we also enlarged the fringe pads up to forty one feet wide. So, you know, it was uh, one of the reasons we wanted it in the first place was because he said, well, then you could go up. You you could make one. You know, like the the upper. It'd be like late, one-way lanes, okay? You could go up and out away from, from Earth Prime, and then the one that was on the same level as Earth Prime, that was always coming in to Earth Prime. So, you know, you could have lanes, you know, uh, one-way lanes of travel, and that would make it a lot easier because before then, before they were 41 feet wide, I was designing uh, uh, fringe trucks 
that basically had ramps on them that you literally drove over each other. <laughs> they, had to, they, had, they had to literally, you know, each truck was like a bridge that you, you, you lowered this thing on the front and when it ran into another truck and then they would basically, one of the trucks would drive up, you know, uh, up the ramp and over the top of the, uh, the, 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 the semi, you know, and then down the back and then continue. And we're talking about semis doing this to semis. So, you know, that's... So I'm imagining stuff like, okay, y'all have seen them on the freeways, those massive semis that carry like 12 cars on the trailer. And you got to drive up, drive them up the ramp to get on top and then drive them up another ramp and fill the six on the bottom. I'm just imagining something like that because one of my, my Thursday night gamers is a truck driver and my uncle, my light uncle used to drive those. Those type of trucks, but just the ramp just goes completely over. Oh, that yeah, that would be quite the feat of engineering to make one of those. Yeah, I mean they would essentially be purpose built uh, semis. Yeah. yeah, it was designed yeah. because nowhere else in the world would you need this. Yeah, <laughs> literally, you'd have the people at IDAD building these things. You know, taking the you know because you you know and. and uh, you know, just like they build a lot of weird things at, at, at Hatsumi Base and other places. Uh, and But, of course, once the roads were 41 feet wide, you just drive just drive around each other. It's not a problem yeah, anymore. Yeah. So that what was a really cool concept for, for vehicles just kind of disappeared because we didn't need to do it anymore. So, But, uh, but I'm still imagining, though, Bruce, just there, the Hatsumi Base, the motor pool... Yeah, we've already, and it's, I think it was in the 92 edition, just the Hatsumi-based motor pool was just a hodgepodge of just any type of vehicle that they can muster to get on the fringe paths. Right. And then you're building these. Yeah. And well, you roll it, one of these on, yeah. It was actually the Russian uh, uh, portal that went to a huge uh, parking lot that, oh, okay. th that, they, that they basically kept all these weird vehicles at. Well, yeah, I, I, but yeah, I know. At first, it was just the Hatsumi base, and later they opened the one up in the what is it, the Cherisky Mountains, and then the Richardson Mountains in Canada. But I'm just talking originally Hatsumi base building these trucks, and I can just see because you know that the ASA had their portal out of Easter Island, and they just they're just watching as this ramp truck is driving out of the portal and they're like the Asian dad on YouTube. What the hell? <laughs> right. Just right. looking at it going by like what in the name of yeah. Because otherwise you're gonna have a situation where you're driving down the road, especially the ASA that wants, you know, and and you know you're you're twenty five miles and you meet in the middle and you got one truck facing the other truck. What are you gonna do? Those things don't like it's they don't they don't drive off the fringe pads very easily. No, even though oh, it's no. zero g off the fringe pads is still a royal pain. No, I tell you what it is. It'd be the the weirdest game of chicken y'all ever would imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can see there being a number of you know instances. So it's it would be an IDET's favor to actually uh, you know build these trucks in such a way you know that it would resolve that issue. But again, like I said, we in the nineteen in, in the the uh, 2007 edition, we made the, port, the the roadways 41 feet wide, so yeah. it solved that problem entirely. 
So that was, I was not expecting that, by the way. When Richard said we're going to do this, I said, really? Because, you know, it's been a long time and you never did it before and you never mentioned it. And he said, yep. I said, all right. And, yeah. <laughs> well, also, he did call, you know, this podcast the TriTac the Brain Trust. Right. So he trusted me, you, Blix, and John Ryer implicitly. Yes. So any any idea that we might have, we threw a lot of ideas at him, and you know, Rich was embracing his inner mile, you know, Mills Lane. I'll allow it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so, we yeah, we it, vetted it amongst ourselves before we ever told it to Richard. So I mean, well, yeah, it, but but still, he had that much faith in the four of us in the early days of this that what what we threw it, you know, what we we pulled that put that flag up on the pole, and he saluted. So yeah, in a lot of cases, he did. Yeah. Then you know. But, uh, and then, then he would do the, when he'd say, do, put the TriTech touch on it and change it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we'd be like, okay, this is different than what we said. All right. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. And that would be the topic of a couple of, uh, uh, a, a couple of, uh, of the podcasts to say, okay, yeah. so this is what we were recommending all this time. But with these changes, now we're doing this. So, yeah. yeah. All right. But, so, good. Yeah, this whole thing with this whole new set of fringe paths. Yeah. Yes, it's a wonderful escape route for the fringe pirates and anybody else who, you know, has learned. And it, it's a system. It's a hack of this environment. It, it It's the IYKYK. If you know, you know. But see, this does add one thing that the GM has to do if and when your players find you got to design a whole nother set of fringe worlds. <laughs> At least the alt platform that you ride up to or down to or off to the left and right. Yeah, that that I could see it's it it would take a lot more planning because you know as soon as you get up there and you're like, holy smokes, it's a whole nother set of fringe paths or something. Yeah, and it's like, oh great, we got another eight portals, oh, another prime, another system, another start. Great. So yeah, the GM would have to design at least some worlds for that alt platform and then go from there. But yeah, when Bruce told me this idea ages ago, uh, wait, what, huh? You know, I, as, you as know, I said, it was before it was during the, the design for the, the D 20 edition. Yeah. So this was the early two thousands. Yeah. So early to mid two thousands. And so I was just, you know, tripping over my own tongue. Just wait, what this is a thing. Oh my God. Yeah. So, and I, I, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, great. I'm going to have to design a lot more Fringe Worlds now if I ever use this. And I haven't put this into my campaign yet, and it's now been 16 years since Fringeworthy OGO came out. And I still just haven't had the chance. Because I throw so much of my worlds like, oh, yeah, let's throw another log on that fire. Yeah. Right. But now, I've been thinking about it. Okay. All right. Um, just, I just got to find that right mix to go, okay, here you go. Make your perception roll. And it's probably going, and I, and I adore her dearly, my one gamer, Carrie, that she makes these overpowered characters. I have to throw really high stuff at the party because of her. She would make the DC 60 perception roll and find this. And yeah, come here, check this out. Wait, what the heck is this? Yeah, so. See the, just, uh, yeah, yeah, and because it's, a, it's such a high perception check, okay, um, you know, unless you have someone tell them about it, you know, yeah. like, like capture a, a, a 
you know, uh, capture a fringe pirate and the fringe pirate actually admits it or you literally see drive in and you see the them driving through one of them and then they vanish yeah and you're like whoa you know what's the deal there so uh, but the point is is that the way I conceived of it, I think the way we all conceived it was this was something that was going to happen in the middle to late campaign because oh, yeah, you want, because the yeah. first the early campaign is all about the French pirates being scary, okay, being a problem. All right, so you don't want to neuter them because uh, this was one way of not neutering them was giving them places to to attack from apparently nowhere. All right, yeah. but the second the middle campaign was about the the Meller. You know, yeah. and 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 dealing with that. So, and, and at which point, you know, you uh, didn't want them to be constantly harrying you. So, you, it made sense that you might let them know about, you know, the, the those portals at that point. Uh, and, but, so, that means that you know, whatever level crystal you're at at that point, when you're doing the middle campaign or even the late campaign, all those portals are going to be, you know available so when you go up one level you know you might originally there was only like two portals uh or even three portals on the earth prime platform that actually could be opened you know, with the crystals that you had the yeah. rest of them were locked down or they were problem portals okay the uh so but you go you you do this and you go up to the upper level you know let's say up and you now have eight portals or seven portals or even six portals but at least twice as many portals you know as you'd had before so you know you're you're not going to spread out very quickly along those new fringe paths simply because there's so many worlds that are available for you to explore that are close in yeah and so these, and and this is the thing I was wondering, and I think you may have answered this just now in, in us discussing this. I always thought that, okay, these portals were just on the alt platforms, but then you said, when you were talking about the fringe pirates, oh no, they'll go up to the, the upper fringe path, go over to that upper pen, fringe path star platform, come back down. So that means these four portals that can pop up, they're in the center of every platform, Prime Alt System, Star Hub? Yeah. Okay, my mind's blown again. No, this is the running joke. Okay, I'm going to shut down my entire computer in this call, turn it back on, and you're going to tell me that again. No, okay, wow. Yeah, it, it just means oh. that each set can basically come down or up or sideways, whatever way you want to look at, you know, to their corresponding platform. You know that oh, you're using. Okay. Wow. Which which also means including the star platforms, which is could really blow your mind. Yeah, yeah. All the the sixty four that radiate from the star hub platform. Yeah, yeah. Because there's eight portals in each of those systems, forty light years away from the prime. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. This will have to be something because I have a Termeller and MPC Schwad. Oh no, this is something he'll have to bring into the game. Okay. Got it. Yep. Wheels are turning. Okay. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. 
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. You can listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on DementiaRadio.org. Also, the professor and I are each now on Twitch. For me, it's twitch.tv slash trav31369, Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, with campaign notes. The professor is at twitch.tv slash professorpixie. Please check her page for time and date.